Good morning, and uh, welcome again. I, uh, uh, we had a little bit of a glitch in the system, and uh, we didn't have sound with the video, so we apologize for that. Hopefully everything is fixed now, and uh, we can start our service. I just want to thank everybody for yeah, watching on, on live streaming. It's, uh, we, we're in a position at the moment, we know that uh, President Ramaphosa said that we can't gather together as a congregation, and therefore we are live broadcasting this morning from, uh, from church, and hopefully you will enjoy this message with us. Before we start, let us just bow our hearts in prayer. Abba Father, we honor and we praise you for your mighty name. We honor and we praise you for who you are. We honor and we praise you for the love and the grace that you have towards your children. Father, thank you that we can gather this morning before you, that we can gather before you, maybe not as a, as a congregation physically here in the building this morning, but we can gather over the media and the live stream. And Father, I ask you that you will be with us, that you will guide us. Father, that you will cover us with your Holy Spirit. I pray, Abba Father, that according to Zechariah 2 verse 5, that you will place a wall of fire around us to protect us from the attacks of the enemy. Father, I ask you that you will guide me in bringing this word to you and bringing this word to your congregation. And Father, I ask as well, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto you this morning. And we pray that in the mighty name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The theme for this morning is simplicity. Now, last week I spoke to you about the mystery of godliness. And I mentioned the difference between holiness and godliness and how the one depends on the other one. I mentioned that holiness is positional. In other words, we are being set apart for God, and this is based on our relationship with Him. Now, godliness is always practical, which determines the direction of our lives and the connection we have with Yeshua based on the revelation that we have of Father, of Abba Father. So we see that these two are based on revelation and relationship. And I thought that I would talk to you about holiness this morning, but there is a third principle that also relates to these two, and this principle is called simplicity. So this morning I'm going to talk to you about simplicity first, and in the following message I will speak to you about holiness, and what I will do then is I will take the three of them and I will actually link them together so that we can have a better understanding of how they support one another. Now, there are various Bible verses that highlight the principle of simplicity, and I'm basing this message on one of the scriptures that I actually used last week. So let us look at the first verse, and this is 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 to 8. And it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. And I want you to focus on this word contentment. And throughout the Bible, we are... We are told about contentment and how contentment functions. So, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. 
Now, I just want to read verse, verse 7 and 8 again. It says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And then verse 8, which is quite important, it says, And having food and raiment. Raiment means clothing. If we have clothes to dress ourselves in. So having clothes, uh, food and raiment, let us be there with content. Now, when we look at these last two verses that are repeated, verse 7 and verse 8, we see that these two last verses actually speaks about this principle of simplicity. And the sentiment that is portrayed here by Paul is very uh, similar to what we read in the book of Job. Now, we know that Job was a man who had many possessions. And then he lost everything. But in this, he never sinned as a result of his circumstances, and he never accused our father of doing anything wrong. But Job makes this very important assertion. And in Job 1 verse 21, he says, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. And when he talks about this whole principle of this word naked, the word naked actually means, I came into this world with absolutely nothing, and I'm returning with absolutely nothing. And then he makes a statement which um, is, he actually, in, in, at the end of Job, he retracts this following statement where he says, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So this is quite an important one. I want to focus on that first part of this verse, of verse 21, where he says, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. Now, the first, that first part of this verse is a statement that is really true for all of us. And it is very obvious what he is really saying there. When we are born, we have absolutely nothing. When we die, there is nothing material that we can take with us. And therefore, Paul states that you should be content if your, if your actual needs are provided for, because you cannot carry back more than what you brought with you. Now, it's quite interesting, and I remember many years ago, um, I think my father mentioned this, and he said something like, there are no pockets in the death robe, so there's nothing that we can take with us when we die. There's also a little story of a man who played Monopoly, and, and when he finished playing this, this game, and he... Uh, during the game of Monopoly with his family, he owned everything on the Monopoly board. Everybody was broke. Everybody started leaving the, the game. And eventually he was sat there and he was all by himself. And his whole family left the game. And uh, he said he, he took everything and he put it back into the box. And the words came back to him, at the end, everything goes back in the box. And that means that we have nothing. We have gained nothing. We cannot take anything with us when we leave the earth. And if it's true that we can take nothing with us, we should actually be in a position where we give more than we receive. Now I have a friend that always says, you can never outgive God. And that is so true for us. You know, we, we try and keep holding on to all our possessions. We try keeping, keep holding on to everything that we own and that we've gathered together. And what God is actually saying is we should share what we have. Now someone wrote a rhyme that goes like this. It says, do your given while you're living, then you're knowing where it's going. And that is so, so cute. I mean, I, you know, when I read this poem, it was actually very funny to me, but it is actually so true. Now, humans are gatherers and hoarders. We are always in a process of collecting more and more and more things. And when we read in the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 7 verse 29, Solomon writes and he says, lo, this only have I found, 
that God has made man upright. Now, this word upright is actually quite an interesting word. And when we look at the Hebrew word for that, it is the word yashar. And it means simple and straightforward. So we can say, lo, this only have I found that God has made man upright, simple, and straightforward. But they have sought out many inventions. And this word inventions also means schemes and alternatives. Now, Solomon is saying that God created man in a perfect state where we are right and where we are innocent before Father, in which man was exempt from all forms of vanity. And this was Father's plan from the beginning. But because man was not content with their circumstances, they were not content with their knowledge and they were not content with their happiness, they sought out new ways and means of being wiser and happier than God actually made them. Now, nothing has changed since then. We are still trying to outthink and outdo Father Yahweh with, the, with our own schemes and our own inventions. Now, it almost seems that enough is never enough. And somebody once asked the question and said, when is enough enough? You see, man keeps on searching for more and more and will never be content with what he has. Solomon sums it up nicely when he writes in Proverbs 15, verse 16. He says, Better is a little accompanied by the fear of Yahweh than abundant wealth with turmoil. Now, Richard J. Foster wrote, he said, Simplicity is freedom. Duplicity is bondage. Simplicity brings joy and balance. Duplicity brings anxiety and fear. And that is exactly the principle that we see here in Proverbs 15 verse 16. And this is also explained by Yeshua in Matthew 6 verse 33 where Yeshua is saying to us and he advises us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we must do this above everything else. He says nothing else is more important than seeking God and seeking his righteousness, seeking the kingdom of Abba Father. And when we analyze this principle of simplicity, it becomes evident that simplicity is an inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. And this is also true for our faith. It is also true for our godliness. It is also true for our holiness. And even our faith, our godliness and our holiness is a, is a principle that is a, an inward reality that results in an outward, in an outward lifestyle. Now, if we decide to believe, and if we decide to live a holy and a godly life, there needs to be a change of heart, and there needs to be a change of our minds, and there needs to be a change of our behavior. And that means that there also needs to be a complete transformation of our understanding, our feelings, and our Father's absolute truth. An inward reality without an outward lifestyle is deception. And an outward lifestyle without an inward reality we call legalism. And that is what the Pharisees didn't understand. That is why Yeshua spoke to the Pharisees so many times, talking to them about their traditions and how their traditions will render the word of God powerless. Because they had this outward lifestyle, but there was no inward reality within them. And they attempted this outward lifestyle but they were not convicted of their hearts. And the two needs to work in unity. And once we realize this principle of simplicity, we are truly set free. 
And there are a few conditions that change in our life once you understand and once you start living this principle of simplicity. The first is, as believers, we become truthful and honest. Truthful and honest in everything that we do. And it is reflected in the way that we speak and even in the way that we do things. Now, it is reflected, definitely reflected in the way we speak because in Luke 6 verse 45, Yeshua says, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasures of his heart, brings forth that which is evil. And what he's talking here is this inward reality. And depends, it depends on the inward reality. What is the abundance of your heart? And he says, for of the abundance of the heart, the, the truth of this inward reality that we have, he says, his mouth speaks. And that is the outward lifestyle. So in other words, what we believe on the inside will be reflected on the outside. The second point that I want to make here, it says, um, status, position, and titles becomes totally unimportant because you live to please Father and your focus is no longer on yourself, but your focus is on Him. And that is why Yeshua said to us in Mark 10 verse 43 to 45, He says, But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Now let me just explain this word minister. It is the word diakonos, and this word diakonos means a servant or a servant of a king. So what he is saying here, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your servant. Then in verse 44 it says, and, so ever, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest, that is the Greek word protos, and it means first, so whoever of you will be first or the greatest, shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, or came not to be served, but to minister. He came to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. And the example that you and I need to follow is to serve. We need to follow Yeshua. We need to follow in His footsteps. And when we follow in His footsteps, He showed us that He didn't come here to be served, but He came here so that He can serve to show us what the kingdom of God is really all about. The third principle, you will no longer have the desire to show extravagance. Not because you cannot afford it, but because of godly principle. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 to 19. He says, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute. Do you hear that word again? Ready to distribute, willing to communicate. And when he talks about this word communicate, it doesn't mean they're just talking and having conversation. It means that we communicate the word of God, that we communicate the gospel of Yeshua. And then in verse 19 he says, Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold of on eternal life. And he's talking about what Timothy should teach the people who are wealthy, the people who are rich. And notice that Paul did not say that they should get rid of their wealth. He didn't say that, stop them immediately, tell them to get rid of their wealth, their wealth. they are not allowed to be rich. He doesn't say that. And this does not mean that we can't be wealthy. But even if we are, we should not rely on our wealth and certainly 
we should not flaunt it. In all things, we should always be humble before Abba and his greatness. You know, the one thing that really concerns me sometimes, and I listen to how people speak, and one of the things that people sometimes say is, to get rich, you should start a church. And because of the prosperity gospel, people are led to believe that when you believe in, in God and when you serve Him, you will become extremely rich. And nowhere in the Bible will you find that promise. We are told to serve. We have just read this in 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 to 19, that we are told to serve. Our wealth comes from the love and the grace of our Father and not in monetary gain. It is not a sin to be rich. But the question is, are you using it for God's purpose? Our possessions should be made available to others. Someone once said that you should never own anything that you are not prepared to loan or to give to somebody else. James speaks about this principle when he says in James 2 verse 15 to 17. He says, if a brother or a sister be naked, and that word naked is if they have nothing. He says, and destitute of daily food. And one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be you warmed and filled, not Withstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. And what James is actually saying here to us, he says, if we see a brother or a sister in need, if we see a fellow believer in need, you know, a lot of people will just say, let's pray with you. Let's pray that everything will be restored in your life. But we don't assist them. We don't give them what they need. He says, then there's no profit in that at all. He says, if we see somebody in need, we should assist them. Not just in prayer, but also in the need that they have. Now, there is a saying that is very true. And the saying says, we buy things we cannot afford to impress people we do not like. Now, Richard Frost made the following statement, and he said this. He says, until we see how unbalanced our culture has become at this point, we will not be able to deal with the mammon spirit within ourselves, nor will we desire Christian simplicity. And what he's saying is, if we don't understand this principle of Christian simplicity, we will continue to be hoarders, and we will continue to just want to gain more and more and more and more, and want and want and want. And, and we should actually live according to the word. We should actually live and follow Christian simplicity. The other thing that is important that he said is that covetousness we call ambition, hoarding we call prudence, and greed we call industry. So we're not calling it what it really is, we're calling it in we're calling it different things. And do you remember the man who, who gathered all, up all his things in new barns? He built new barns and he, and he gathered um, all the, fruit, the fruits of the land. And what did Yeshua say about this man? He called him foolish. And he said that God will take his life that night. Because he only thought about himself. He didn't think about the people around him. He was only gathering for himself and he didn't share it with anybody else. And in the New Testament, Yeshua offers more wisdom and has more to say about money and wealth than any other subjects beside the kingdom of God. But there's a stern warning regarding this. The Aramaic term for wealth is mammon. And Yeshua condemns it as a rival God. He says that mammon rivals God. 
And he says in Luke 16, verse 13, he makes it very clear. He says, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And this was such a great concern to Yeshua and even to the writers of the New Testament. Paul and James also warns of the dangers of accumulating wealth and the consequences thereof. And again, I want to emphasize that it is not wrong to have possessions or to have wealth. Simplicity sets position and wealth in proper perspective and rejoices in the gracious provision of Father Yahweh. Simplicity knows the true meaning of being content with what you have and with your circumstances. Simplicity is the only thing that sufficiently reorients our lives so that possessions can be genuinely enjoyed without destroying us or without taking our focus away from God. And there are some people that believe that being a, that being a believer means that you should give up everything and actually live in poverty. And we see examples of that, like uh, the well-known Mother Teresa, and there are many others that uh, chose to live in absolute poverty. The problem with this is that it is very similar to serving mammon, because we can serve poverty, and it can lead to idolatry, and we've got to be very careful with regards to that. Simplicity actually sets us free to receive the provision of God as a gift that is not ours to keep and that we can freely share with others. Nothing, absolutely nothing, must come before the kingdom of God, including the desire for a simple lifestyle. Simplicity itself becomes idolatry when it takes precedence over seeking the kingdom. And as I mentioned earlier, Yeshua instructed each believer to first seek the kingdom of God. And we read that in Matthew 6, verse 31 to 34. He says, therefore, take no thought. And when he says, take no thought, he says, do not worry. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And when he talks about the Gentiles, he talks about people who are unbelievers. He says, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. He says, do not worry about tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. So it's quite interesting. Verse 34 says, do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. He says, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So each day has enough trouble of its own. So do not worry about it. Do not concern yourself about it. Because you rely on Abba Father. God is your provision. And when Yeshua instructs us not to be concerned about tomorrow, He is proclaiming that we should be free from fear, stress, and from anxiety. The inward reality of simplicity will bring us closer to the perfect love of God. And it is His perfect love that eliminates all forms of fear. Because that is what John actually told us. It is fear that drives us to be concerned about our life and possessions. Simplicity has nothing to do with abundance of possessions or the lack thereof. 
Simplicity is an inward spirit of trust that we have in God. And the love of money is not just a problem for the wealthy, because sometimes the, one, the ones not having it has a burning desire for it. Now Paul says in 1 Timothy 6 verse 10, he says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have, en- they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. We must always remember that what we have is a gift from Father. And if it's a gift from Father, let Him take care of it. Never try to keep the gift that you have received. Never try to keep it to yourself. If it is a gift from God, then we need to make it available to others. And the more you are concerned about your wealth, the more fear will be part of your existence. The more clutter you allow in your life. And when I talk about clutter, I mention all sorts of things. You know, we can be so busy. We can be so busy with all sorts of things that we don't get time to spend time with our Father. And the more clutter you allow into your life, the less time you will have to spend with Him. And the more complicated your life will become. So concentrate your efforts at getting control of your time and getting control of your life. Restrict the activities you intend to focus on to to just a few. And be with God. Because He is the master of your awesome destiny. Let us get rid of this busyness that we always have. You know, so many times I speak to people and when you talk to them and you ask them about things, oh, I am so busy. And they never have time for anything because they are so busy. When are we going to start making time to spend with God? Because if we want an intimate relationship with Him, we need to spend time with Him. And the more time we spend with Him, the stronger our relationship will be with Him. But we have so many other things that we focus on. So many other things that come before God. And all He wants is your time and my time. Never forget that. And never forget that to a very great extent, eternity is purchased by how we spend our time in the present. And time is priceless, so don't waste it. Micah 6 Verse 6 to 8 says the following. Micah writes, he says, Wherewith shall I come before Yahweh and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? And what he's actually saying here, if we think about it, he's saying, how do I strengthen my relationship with God? And then he asks this question, shall I do it through burnt offerings with calves of a year old? He says, will Yahweh be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And then he gives us the answer in verse 8. He says, he has showed you, O man, what is good and what does Yahweh require of you? but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You see, he is referring here to a life of simplicity where you and I are building our relationship with God. And our Father is not interested by wealth or impressed by wealth. He's not interested in wealth. He's not impressed by wealth. He's not impressed by your tithes. 
He's not impressed by your titles. He's not impressed by your greatness. He's impressed by your faith in Him and the love that you have towards Him. And that is why Moses wrote the Shema. And this word Shema is actually an interesting word. It comes from Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 to 5. And the first word that we see in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 is the word hear. And that word here in the Hebrew is called Shema. So Shema means to hear, to listen. And that is why this, these two verses are called the Shema. And in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 to 5, he writes, he says, Hear, O Israel, Yahweh our God is one God. And this word one also means unity. So he says here that, that Yahweh is in unity with himself. And that's an interesting concept and that's a message for another time. But it's a very interesting concept. Verse 5 he says, And you shall love Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And what he's saying here, he says nothing else is more important than to love God. And that is why Yeshua quoted the Shema. And that is why John alluded to it and James referred to it. Because it is the key to our relationship with Father. It is the key to our relationship with Abba. We need to honor Him. We need to praise Him. We need to love Him. You see, Father seeks to restore and expand the relationship He always meant to have with His people. And this relationship must happen on His terms. It must reflect His character. Any other attempt at simplicity will fail. Jude gives three illustrations of individuals who did not abide in the love of God. And first, he mentions Cain. He says that Cain allowed hatred to master his heart and was therefore removed from the place of God's blessings. And even though Cain came and he brought an offer to a father, his heart was not right with him. Second, James offers Balaam. He offers him as an example of one who was greedy for profit. And the greed for money removed him from the place of God's love. And finally, Korah. And we remember what Korah did. Korah came against Moses. And Korah was jealous. He was jealous of another's man, another man's ministry. And that's something that you and I should never do. Never ever be jealous of somebody else's ministry. God has given each one of us our own ministry. And we should live our own ministry. We should serve God with our own ministry. Korah didn't want that. He was jealous of Moses' ministry. And as a result, he perished. To simplify your life implies that you develop your own purpose that God has given to you, and that you will be satisfied and content, and that you will honor Yeshua in all that you do. Yeshua calls us to live in, in a completely different realm of freedom and delight. And that comes by centering our lives on the things that are above, rather than, than on earthly possessions and on earthly achievements. And that is why Yeshua said to us in Matthew, 19, uh, Matthew 6, verse 19 to 20, he says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust does corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust does corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. What is he saying to us? What is Yeshua saying to you and I? 
He says, we need to be concerned with our eternity. We need to be concerned with where we are going. What happens here on earth is not that important. What is important is where you and I are going. And are we creating a life where we are certain of our destiny? And that is why he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Those are the things that are really important to us. And yes, we can have wealth. Yes, we can have possessions. Yes, we can have things here on earth. But what are you really focused on? Are you focused on that? Or are you focused on your relationship with Him? Are you focused on your relationship with Abba? Because that is the most important thing that you can have in your life. And therefore, may Abba Father help us to live our lives so that we delight in godly simplicity, free from anxiety and worries, and free to allow Him to be everything that we live for. And let each one of us Remove the things in our lives that is a hindrance in our relationship with Father Yahweh. Let us get rid of those things. Let us remove those things in our lives that stops us to fully commit and to fully submit to Him. And above everything else, may He help us to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Because that is the only thing that is really important. And it is through seeking Him that we will be truly content and that we will truly be fulfilled. Because it is only when God becomes everything in our lives. It is only when God becomes the most important thing in our life that we will really experience contentment. That we will really experience fulfillment. And may that be true for every one of you. Amen. Our Father, we want to thank you this morning. Lord, we want to thank you for this message of simplicity. Lord, and in this message of simplicity, you're not saying that we are not allowed to be wealthy and you are not saying that we're not allowed to have wealth. But what you are telling us is that we should simplify our lives in such a way that we can spend as much time with you as we can and what is possible. Father, guide us through your Holy Spirit, into the true meaning of godly simplicity so that we can implement that in our lives. And with, together with godliness and together with holiness, that we will start to lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven so that we can be certain that we will be saved, that we will spend an eternity with you because that is the most important thing that we can dream about. We honor you and we praise you in the mighty name of Yeshua our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Silent storms, Lord, your words that uplift 
and brings me new hope. Come speak to my heart, Yeshua. Restore your sweet peace in me. Come speak to my heart, Yeshua. I'll find rest under your wings. For you give my soul a shelter. You wipe all my tears away Your words that can heal my sadness Your words filled with kind compassion and warmth And speak to my heart, Yeshua Your presence is filled with Your gentle voice. 